Uh, actually, before we start, yeah. Um, do am I remembering correctly that you were buying, selling rare used books? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was. Um, Are you still doing that? Yeah, I do. It it's sort of like a, you know, it's that grind set mindset. You know that right? Everybody yeah. Has some to people. Have. Yeah, some people drive Uber. Yeah, you right. Are, Buying and selling used books. Yeah, I, it was something that I found one day while I was flipping through TikToks. That's what I say. Yeah, I, I was flipping through TikToks. <laughs> you do kind and of right. You the do. Motion. Yeah, it's a bit of a flip. And uh, yeah, you know, everybody on there it has some sort of a side hustle going on. And mm-hmm. I and I just happen to get into rare books. Well, I mean that's perfect for me because I've come into. Uh, well, quite the artifact. Oh, tell me what you've come into. First edition John Steinbeck. Whoa. Yes. Grapes of Wrath. Ooh, Grapes of Wrath. That's got that's got to fetch a pretty penny, right? Ah, uh, a great ending. Such a good ending. <laughs> Grapes of yeah, Wrath. Well, I mean, you're getting ahead of me a little bit, buddy. <laughs> um, yeah, when you're talking, of course, about when... Uh, the character Rose of Sharon gets her titties sucked on by that beleaguered farmhand. That's right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know. Well, I, well, uh, I, I mean, should I? Are you interested? Should I? Yeah. Well, wait, how much? How much? How much you looking for? Well, or we can. I mean, we can for? discuss that. You know, I mean, that's you're the expert here. I think you should probably appraise the mm. value based on condition and all that. So sure. Take a look. Here you go. Okay. Well, well, now it's in pretty good condition here. Uh, yeah. Well, see what happens when you try to open it. Uh, nothing. Right. Yeah. So that's the thing. I would not call this mint condition. I would maybe call it good. Okay. Very good. It doesn't open. Why? Well, remember earlier when I mentioned that I, uh, came into a rare acquisition. Yeah. Oh, jeez, I mean, Dan. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, I mean, oh, that ending, geez. bro. That ending. And also every word leading up to it. <laughs> All of those words leading up to... Oh, my God. You, you, yeah. So you were just... I mean... You were just edging the, for 500 pages or whatever? The... The... <laughs> the Trials and tribulations of the Jode family fully wrathed my grapes. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> anyway, if you, you want to cut off my f- fingers and put an ice pick through my head, I understand. Yeah, I'm gonna cut off your fingers and then stick them right up your little tush. Oh, <laughs> uh, just one. Just <laughs> All one. Right, just one. This this week on King Me for the last time, finders, fucking keepers. This is Mister Mercedes, season three, part two, series Ellie. King me. King moi? I kind of stepped on you there with the the theme music. That's okay. And I I I broke form by saying King moi. <laughs> King moi? But uh, you know what I'm deciding about me saying King moi? What's that? That is my tribute to Daniel Lanois who produced the Bob Dylan B-side that is the theme song 
to this season. <laughs> All right. Great song. We didn't we didn't talk about it last week, but yeah, what a treat. A, yeah, it's a it's a good theme song. I I still I maintain that, you know, this series has a lot of ups and downs, but uh the music is usually pretty good. Stays good throughout. Yeah. yeah. I would say that is its one strong suit. Yeah, the audience network times. spared no expense with uh licensing music. <laughs> <laughs> may have been their undoing yeah that's probably what bankrupted them <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to king me the official podcast or the official stephen king movie podcast i should say the official podcast of king me the official podcast of getting kinged by me mm. the official podcast of finding out that the woman who has been molesting you for 30 years murdered your girlfriend oh. and friggin doing something about it yeah Gr- finally growing a set jeez Sn- it snaps for morris <laughs> you know? oh boy morris uh you hate to see it you know <laughs> literally what everything that happens to him and he, that he does yeah everything he yeah. does and happens to him the whole thing <laughs> the man is cursed it sure seems that way, right? I mean, like he doesn't. He makes he makes a lot of bad decisions himself, but also he's incredibly cursed. Yeah, I mean, he is. I, I'm gonna say he is right not to believe in God. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, the turn that he takes, or, or not not even necessarily a turn, the uh, the outrage that he has at God at the beginning of that last episode. Yeah, where he spends like two or three minutes just cursing God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, he's like, he's like a, you know, it's very fitting that he's like talking about Shakespeare and whatever in that one scene. Cause he himself is like the most tragic man who's ever lived. (laughs) It sure seems that way. Jeez. He, he pretty much accidentally kills his hero and also the man who saved his life. (laughs) You know, yeah, he's in love with um, just a a brassy woman, which of course is its own hell, right? Who also, you know, obviously has been molesting him for since he was yeah. a child. Look, she's no angel. No, let's be clear. <laughs> no, no, Alma Lane. She uh, she's a little she's a little difficult, you could say. <laughs> but. I'll say this. Mm. She's got a certain je ne sais quoi. Oh, I think she would probably say the same thing about herself. Oh, I thought you meant about me. <laughs> oh. I was about to be like, really? <laughs> Do you think so? Me? You think Alma she, would no. molest me? <laughs> no, come on. She wouldn't molest me, right? <laughs> S- well, Rob, this is the end of the oh, road. We, God, Dan. All those... All those moons ago, we clambered into our Mercedes C-Class or whatever. <laughs> right. Our Mercedes drove- C-Class 259s. I don't <laughs> <laughs> And we, we got in and we drove through a crowd of people for yep. miles. Miles yep. of people. Miles of people. And f- the, the windshield wipers flying back and forth in vain. Yes. And here we have arrived at the end of the road, the end of uh, the proverbial Route 66 of watching a TV show. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't think we ever, uh, do we ever address the fact that, like, 
Um, <laughs> that while we were recording this, uh, there was also like a trial going on of somebody who did the exact same thing, like drove through a crowd of people. Did you? <laughs> no, no, we didn't. All right. Well, we won't. But that's then. that's the thing. These apps, they're evergreen. That's right. <laughs> you know, uh, Are you, yeah. Are you, you're talking about the, was it like, um, Waukesha? Is that where it was? Yeah, like in the Midwest. The now, Christmas thing, right? Yeah, it was, it was like, like a, a parade. parade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the guy that yeah, we never himself in court. We never did talk about that. I think, you know what, though? I'm going to say beyond the sort of like surface parallels. Yeah, not a not lot of parallels. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah, yeah. He's no Brady yeah. Hartsfield. Or he was no Brady he's, Hartsfield. <laughs> he's alive. No, he is alive. Which is why he's no Brady Hartsfield. Well, why'd you say he was no Brady Hartsfield? Oh, at the time? At the time. Yeah. Now, he may, he very well may be. Yeah. All right, enough of this sad stuff. <laughs> Let's get into the the. the yeah, so this is stuff. exactly why we didn't bring it up. Yeah, that's true. Before now. Um, uh, so here it is. The last five episodes of Mr. Mercedes, probably ever. Probably not going to go back to this well. Unless you all sign my petition. Bring Mr. Mercedes back. <laughs> it, it is funny. Like these last like five episodes or whatever. I mean, this whole season, really, you can, you can feel the, the budget shrinking. Like, <laughs> do you remember the end of season two when Brendan Gleeson was like back with his ex-wife? And his ex-wife, Nancy Travis, who, uh, we hear from once on a one-sided phone call. Never see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Is that uh, what you're going to say? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we, uh, just sort of like just sort of breeze over that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is like, yeah, we're, we're definitely shrinking the budget. We are only ever in like one of three places. Pretty yeah. importantly. Yes. <laughs> the, the budget is tight on this. We see it, it to the, to the extent that we see the tortoise once. Yeah, we right. can't even get the tortoise for more than we one can't, episode. <laughs> <laughs> can't afford that. Can't afford the animal handler in every fucking episode anymore. Right. The tortoise wants his own trailer. Um, it's like you have that shell. What do you need a trailer for? <laughs> you live in a trailer. Your body is a trailer. You're right. I did. I did like when uh, Hodge's daughter was like. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted a dog or a pet rock, and you kind of split the difference. You know? Yeah, it's pretty good. That's pretty, pretty good. good. I also liked when um, she was like, promise, she was like, you got, because, you know, so we'll get, we'll go a little out of order here. What's her name, Allie? Yeah, Allie. Uh, Bill's daughter, Allie, comes to live with him toward the end of the season, and she he keeps making like grim jokes about him dying and stuff and one of the things he said is that the tortoise is going to outlive everybody and then at a certain point she says promise me you'll outlive the tortoise and he says like they live to be like 150 you want me to choke him it's <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny yeah it's a good visual yeah brendan gleason choking strangling a tortoise, a tortoise. yes <laughs> so rob yeah 
I don't know if it's going to make the cut, so I'll say it again. Mm -hmm. I'm back in. You're back in. Number one Mr. Mercedes fan. Oh, wow. You're a regular Mr. Mercedes yourself. Uh, Why? Well, because you're their number one fan. And I love my mom. Yeah. (laughs) So you're back in. These last five episodes, like for the past season and a half, really, like all of season two and half the first half of this season, you were like, kind of like, fuck this show. And then these last five episodes fully turned you around. I mean... Maybe not fully, All right. but I well, feel so much better. Yeah, I mean, season two, start to finish, was a dud. It was a complete dud. Yes, it was a dud. And, like, this one, it's not the. It's not really cat and mouse at all. No. It's just sort of, like, a pressure cooker. That's exactly... Right? While I was sitting there watching this, I'm like, ooh, we got a real, like, uh, pot boiler here going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really just like there there's no pretense of just like it's not like Bill has to outsmart this mastermind. He basically just has to get somewhere before someone like snaps. It's like yes. a fuse has been lit. Yes. Hey. How apropos that turn of phrase. Right? Considering what happens. Absolutely. Uh here's a hint. The name of the last episode is Burning Man. <laughs> <laughs> not subtle they just they no. just sort of go for it there um i, I nor told, is mommy deadest <laughs> yeah i know um no i i totally agree with you i think uh you know as slow as like i still think that they probably could have tightened up this season i don't think it, it should have been 10 episodes um mm-hmm. but with these last episodes like they do pay off a lot of what they set up in the the first half, which is yeah. you know more than you could say about the last season. Um, and I it's I feel like it's a, in a pretty satisfying way too. The way the show ends so. in general too is like uh, you know it, it I feel like it kind of maybe leaves it a little open, maybe for some. some for you talking about Lou? No, I'm talking about Lou. Yeah, I was. I mean, yes. The the loose stuff, even after the trial, the loose stuff is the only thing that I'm like, I'm still not sold on the story wise. It's it's very messy. It's not. And you know what? I do feel like they kind of like. (laughs) There's a very instructive line where, um. So there's a, a thing that happens where like, Holly is left the car from the Mr. Mercedes ta- attack in right. her aunt's will. Right. She inherits the, the Mercedes. Yes. The titular Mercedes. Um, uh, Mr. Mercedes super fans will remember that Holly's aunt um, was the owner of the car. That's how Holly got involved with all this to begin with. Um, She like wants to keep the car. Right. And, um, so that's happening. And then like sort of piggybacking off that conversation, Lou is Lou says something to the effect of like, um, it, it, she's like, she's talking about how Brady gave Bill yeah, like a purpose. purpose. Yeah. And gave him a family and sort of like the, the thesis of that whole exchange is like, 
Um, it's like, Bill, you always want things to make sense. Things don't always make sense. Right. And like, feels like a little bit of a cop out as it applies to Lou, because it just like, there's not, there's not really any exploration of what's going on with her. You're just sort of like given this mishmash of. Yeah. I mean, like data points. Yeah. It's like, so, okay. So with Lou's, Lou's arc here, Lou's uh, storyline, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we, when we last left our friends, uh, Holly Bill, was. Lou. Yeah. Holly. Jerome. Uh, Jerome. Ida. Al- Ida. And Alma. Morris. Peter. Alma. <laughs> <laughs> and Peter's mom. Peter's dad. Yeah. And. And that and boogers. To a lesser extent, boogers, yes. <laughs> and then at the bottom of the list, Finkelstein. Ah, uh, Finkelstein. Let now, us not forget. Um, Holly was going to take the stand and testify in lieu, on, like, uh-huh. in favor of uh-huh. Lou. What? what? In lieu. <laughs> in lieu of. In lieu of Lou. No, um, which she did, and she did a really great job up on the stand. She was... Um, got at, like that whole scene I thought was very good. Like the, see, that's the thing. Like even like the it's writing, good. the writing can, uh, you know, be lacking sometimes on this show, but mm. the, but the actors do sell it. The, the main, like our main group, they're really fucking good. I think. Yeah, I think so too. I also think the payoff of that scene, right. The sort of button on the end there. Yeah. Really great stuff. So, yeah, Holly gives this whole speech explaining kind of why she did what she did. Um, this would be a great place for, like, a, a clip. Oh, do you want me to uh, drop in, like, exactly, like, her scene there? Maybe part of it, if you feel like it. Yeah. But um, just because I can't really remember it, and okay. I would, it would be a mess if we tried to. Well, yeah, we couldn't. Uh, I I could not compare to little Latin or wait was little, it little Latin Loopy Lou or little uh, Latin Lupe no little Justine Lupe Lou that's what it little is <laughs> right right <laughs> but she gives this whole stirring speech it's all eyes <laughs> on her and then after court Sorry. adjourns for the day uh, Bill goes to his car and just like breaks down sobbing yeah that that and that yeah that's some good crying that from old brendan g right um yeah i can hang on one second i'm pulling up the uh the clip right now oh Uh, in real time it's happening nearly (laughs) nearly real time (laughs) Can you tell us your connection to Brady? It was my aunt's Mercedes that he stole to run down those people. Um, my aunt Olivia. He then caused her to commit suicide. Brady Hartsfield did. Um, he worked at Supreme Electronics and he serviced her computers, so he, he installed some kind of malware that allowed him to send encrypted messages and... Um, he basically psychologically tortured her for months. All right, hang on one second. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. 
scene does Very go well. on for uh, for a little while there, but it, I mean it's it's very good. Uh, <laughs> My heart uh, did sink a little when I heard it starting from the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, hang on, let me. Okay, here we go. But he wasn't really capable of doing more harm, right? I mean, he was in custody. No, he was capable. Brady Hartsfield did harm while he was in a coma. He did harm as he stood in court and smirked at the pain of his victims. The idea that he could go on to be like studied, championed even his medical hope, the idea that his legacy, that he could get to feel good about himself, he might feel proud, he even might feel whole. So many other people will never get to feel whole. How can that notion not tear away at our insides? You know, I, I remember reading Shakespeare in high school. I liked the love stories. You know, not so much the tragedies. And in Julius Caesar, there was this line right before they killed Caesar. I think it was Casca. He said, speak hands for me. Right before. And I never really got that line, to be honest, but at the arts gala, I got it. It's pretty good stuff. Yeah. A lot of that sounds like my haters talking about me. <laughs> how you can't feel good about him feeling good about himself. Oh, I'm catching that from every angle, feels like. You, you do have a lot of haters. I do. Everyone, if everyone's coming for the king, you know. <laughs> Everybody wants a fucking crown. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> but yeah, no. It's, uh, it's quite good. Quite yeah, good. Yeah, so the scene... I mean, it's it kind of goes on like that for it. It's five to ten minutes, probably closer to ten minutes. Um, yeah, where Fingelstein is, you know, asking her questions while she's on the stand, and she's, you know, she's giving these very like uh, very open, honest answers, and I don't just the way that she is, um, you know, responding to everything. It, it it's it, like. It's perfect. It's like the perfect. Yeah. Everybody was kind of worried about Holly going up on the stand because, you know, she she's not, you know, not good in public. Well, yeah, right before right before the trial that morning, yeah. um, they went to her apartment oh, and found well, her yeah. in a fetal position, kind of rocking back and forth on the ground singing um, John Jacob. Jingleheimer Jing- Schmidt. Schmidt. Yeah. yeah. See, they had to even... Even her anxiety song, they had to go for something royalty free. The budget is drying up. It's tight. <laughs> Couldn't even have her sing like, tonight there's gonna be a jailbreak. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. And then, so she takes a sand, she does that. And then, right, uh, Brendan Gleeson's 
uh, character goes out to his car and he just start he just fucking breaks down and starts crying. Yeah, which like I and we hang on that for a while too. For a while, I, and I don't think I don't think we've seen Brandon Gleason emote like that in this show at all. Right, like he's he's angry, he's you know frustrated. He has like a lot of stuff, but there's no scene I don't think where he like fully breaks out crying. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he's usually like he's like this stoic kind of guy. Um, so uh, that's so that's what's happening in court, and then Finkelstein, uh, you know, it meets up with Lou later. And, you know, Lou is very excited because, you know, Holly was so good up on the stand and Finkelstein says that she's going to have to take the stand also. Um, so that's like leading up to, you know, okay, well, she's going to have to take the stand. Is she going to be able to, you know, win the sympathy of the jury? Uh, it, you know, can she keep it together? Can she not talk about how she's been talking to the ghost of Brady? This whole time, so, you know, as if she, can she go up on the stand and not be insane? Um, right, which she does, and you know, she she has this like uh, you know sarcastic like dark sense of humor, which sort of she starts doing that, and then Finkelstein is like, "Don't like you're we're not this is not fun <laughs> like fucking." Uh, get it together, right? And then she goes into, like, she talks about it and talks about Brady and everything that happened. And it was, I, I would say, it's probably not as uh, emotional or sympathetic. I didn't think so, at least, as Holly. Um, but it, it, it sort of got the same same vibe across how these two women have been victims of Brady and how they how both of them had to uh you know do what they can uh, they had to do what they did um to to try and stop him from ever hurting right. anybody again um so uh we get uh you know the jury uh you know comes out with a verdict and on the count of a murder one which is, uh, you know, murder with uh, uh, premeditated, premeditated. Murder, right? Thank you. Yes. Premeditated. Uh, she's found not guilty, but then she's found guilty of murder two, which is crime of passion. And is that what it is? Yeah, it's more. It's like a, it's not premeditated murder. It's just like a murder in the heat of a moment kind of a thing. Okay. Um, and then so, which she like sort of uh, she starts getting like very upset and you know breaking down like uh and then there's so there's the actual the verdict and then there's the sentencing um which they actually they 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 sort of they fingelstein and and hodges they have this conversation after the verdict where he's fingelstein says he wants the he wants the the sentencing right away because right now is when everything is like at its peak um like emotionally for the crowd, for all of these victims that are here. And, and uh, if, if Lou has any chance of, uh, you know, getting a lighter sentence, now is the time before people right. start forgetting about it, you know? Right. So, uh, you know, she comes out for the sentencing and then the judge 
sentences her to 15 years, but then says um, she already since she already served like seven or eight months in jail uh, during the trial and whatnot, um, that would be the considered time served. And then the rest of the time is suspended. So she's not going to jail at all. Um, so it, she, uh, which is, you know, the crowd, you know, everybody's sort of, you know, uh, or, you know, everybody's, you know, obviously happy about it. it like before the sentencing too, the, uh, Hodges stands up and sort of gives a, a speech about, you know, uh, which <laughs> they do acknowledge is irregular. Um, normally <laughs> this is highly irregular <laughs> behavior in a cold room. <laughs> the judge is kind of like, just shut up, sit down. And he's like, but come on, it's me. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it, detective Bill Hodges. Yeah. I'm he's detective like, right. Bill Hodges. You, you know me. Yeah. 30 <laughs> seconds. So he yeah. speaks. And then, um, if he'd only just waited his turn, um, right. Right, because the judge, I guess, I don't know if this is real, but he says legally he has to sort of like open the floor to remarks from friends and family of the victim, which yeah. is Brady. Right. So um, Lou, after forfeiting her chance to speak on her own behalf. Right, she speaks um, on Brady's behalf. She, yeah. Uh, well, on her own behalf, she says, sorry, I guess. Yeah, yeah, um, that's true. <laughs> But then she does, yeah, speaks on Brady's behalf, basically saying, like, uh, he did, you know, he was a monster. He also had some redeeming qualities. Right. He was my friend. <laughs> He's right. my friend Brady. Um, um, which, like. That's kind of. And that's kind of what, she, like, what you were saying before when. Uh, so once once Lou is out of jail, uh, she she uh, starts living with Holly and sort of helping out around the, the old detective agency and that scene where, um, you know, she's talking to Hodges and, and saying like how Brady, uh, you know, gave him purpose and, you know, um, opened him up and, you know, it's because of Brady that he now has like Holly and Jerome and even Lou around him and all these people and stuff. So it's like, I don't know, it's like this weird, I don't know, double-edged sword or whatever. Yeah. Brady. Yeah, I got to say, like, the court case ending, it made all, I don't know, like, after the court, court case ends, right, we have, like, this sort of, like, emotional arc for Lou, and mm. it kind of puts her in the position that Hodges was in. Like, it's a very abrupt shift in focus. Yeah. Um, Where she's just kind of, like... <laughs> still going through like extremely heavy stuff except now we're just suddenly not paying attention to it because right we are in a bit of a crime caper totally um which like i'm not complaining about because like that was like i don't know it was a real fun watch all that stuff like i think morris and alma mm -hmm. are just like Maybe it's just from like, you know, lack of exposure or whatever, but I'm just like I feel way more interested in, in that whole storyline. Oh my god, yeah. Right. It's yeah, like definitely. I well that's that's part of like you know, it's uh not until 
So the 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 actual the verdict and Lou getting out of jail and all that shit happens in episode seven. So there's like seven episodes of Lou being in jail and like trials and back and forth with lawyers and blah blah blah, which like is fine. Like that you know that adds to drama, but uh, I I do think that that went on just a little bit too long. Probably could have wrapped that up in like episode five. You know, yeah, maybe condensed some of that story. Um. Because right, the the Morris and Alma stuff is much more interesting to me, right? Um, Especially as like Alma starts digging in on her, um, her character. Yeah, her character, but like specifically, her, like when they start reading the, they get a hold of one oh of the my manuscripts, God, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. she like breaks down in tears because she. I was just sort of like assumed that because like she had a tryst with Rothstein that um, he based like the central, the central, one of the central characters. Yeah. Yeah. um, On her. And she's like reading these new manuscripts. She's like weeping and, you know, saying that he still (laughs) loved her after all this time. Right. And, and then I did like Morris. Morris. Yeah. He like, he doesn't know how to console her. So he's just like, Hey, it's okay. Do you want to fuck or something? <laughs> and that's exactly how he says it too. Yeah. <laughs> Very like, oh, oh, don't, do you want to, do you want to fuck or something? Yeah. And she's like, do we I want to fuck or something? <laughs> <laughs> we also get that, um, a pretty interesting scene a little bit after the fact. So, when she, you know, reveals to Morris sort of declare declaratively mm-hmm. that it's not like a theory of her. She says it as though it's fact that this character was based on her. Right. They have like crazy sex where she's like calling him Jimmy. Right. And, and he's calling her. What's her name? Susan. Yes. Right. Susan Harris, I yeah. think. Yeah, is yeah, the character's yeah. name. Um, so they do that. But then like there's a couple episodes later, they're like they're fucking and she sort of like throws him off of her and she's like, you were thinking of her. You were thinking of Susan, weren't you? You weren't fucking me. You were fucking Susan. Right. He's like, I thought you liked that. It was your idea. And she was like, it was my idea to do it once. (laughs) Yeah. I, that, that scene was kind of funny because she's like, you know, even during the sex scenes and stuff, like she's, she's clothed and he's naked. Um, and then he stands up, like she throws him off and then he stands up and he, I guess he's still got a, like a erection or whatever. And, and she's like, look at you, you're not even, you're not even a little, uh, like deterred or anything like that. You're, you're, you just want to fuck, uh, Susan. <laughs> she's like really, uh, she's like pissed off about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's stuff like, I don't know. And it's not that the Lou stuff is less interesting. Like I think getting the court case out of the way makes it kind of more interesting because now like she's truly live. She's now outside of that arc of her life. Sure. So it's like, what do you like? How do you pick up the pieces when like, it's still, it's like truly concluded and you're still kind of like left dealing with it. Like I think there's something Something to be explored there, but we don't really get it. We just get like characters sort of being like, she seems a little off today. <laughs> yeah. And then that's, that's it. That's kind of it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, yeah. Lou, Lou ends up 
So, you know, she's working for the detective agency for a little bit. Um, then she goes out and she like tries to, she's trying to get a job. She actually, she goes back to the electronics store that she used to work at the computer place. And, um, she tries to get a job there. And I, I did like the scene where she's like trying to, you know, convince the manager to hire. Her. He's like, she's saying to him, like, do people come in here? Like, you know, looking around at the place where the, you know, Mercedes killers, you know, uh, worked. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, do they buy things? He's like, yeah. And she's like, well, there you go. You hire me. You're going to have a bunch of people coming in. I'm a freak show. <laughs> yeah. She says you, sh- you could set up a booth for me. So, and, uh, what, what ends up happening, I guess she ends up, uh, driving the ice cream truck, uh, that Brady used to drive. <laughs> yeah. She tells, um, our gang from the detective agency, uh, yeah, Holly, she, she got a job. In she's catering. like, yeah, she says she's working in catering. She says a catering truck, <laughs> yeah, which like truck. you hear like, yeah, you hear it. And you're like, I don't, I don't think they do that. I don't yeah, think you cater a catering out of a truck. truck. And it turns out it's a bad lie. Yeah. Um, um, but that, yeah, that so is that's where Lou's story uh, ends. It, it basically ends. She's almost like the final shot there of like, uh, you know, her ice cream truck and the kids and whatever. It's, yeah. you know, it's supposed to be, you know, it feels ominous, you know. I I guess, but. Did you not feel at that? At the same time. Not really. Like, um, I to me, like that was part of this broader thing they were doing of like reclaiming, you know, oh. things that have traumatized you, or right, or whatever. Like car. Yeah, yeah, sort of like make it like accepting trauma or whatever you want to view it as a metaphor for, mm-hmm. as like a part of yourself instead of like yeah. letting it hold power over you, right? Because you right. have the car. You also have the bulldog statue that Holly clobbered <laughs> Brady's brains in with. Right. That she gives back to Allie. Allie. Right. That's, that was from her bedroom. Right. And they, they have a conversation about it where Allie's like, Oh, when you were living here, because remember Holly lived there yeah. briefly. She's like, you kind of rearranged some stuff in here. Took a couple things too. She's like, <laughs> yeah, sorry. I had to, I had to bash professor X's brains in. <laughs> right. Um, and it ends with her giving that back to Allie and, you know, um, Bill says like, he's like, she takes and he's like, do you have any idea where that's been? And she's like, it's a fair, a family heirloom, you know? Right. So it, it is sort of like it, that I thought fit in with that broader idea of, sure, you know, cause yeah, like the claiming things, yeah, the, uh, right. Like. Yeah, and the sort of inverse of that is Morris, right. who is so consumed by, or like, I mean, consumed ultimately in fire. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. like him, you know, his whole thing with like, there is no God, I'm forsaken. It's just like the forces of the world bearing down on him and him sh- him having, him lacking the resilience to sort of like, Basically, yeah, not just like be consumed right. by the yeah, world. Absolutely. Right. It's like it's that's what Alma does to him. Yeah. That's what 
the Rothstein books do. It's like he he sort of like gave himself over to that Jimmy Gold character and like modeled himself on it. Right. Um yeah. Yeah. So what so let's let's talk about Morris and Alma and all the shit they got going on. Um so well uh Peter, uh the boy who has the the manuscripts, right? Um I think we talked about it last time where he goes to the um the rare bookseller uh in town and you know, they they basically strike up a deal. He's like, I'll give you one page um, I don't know if it was a letter or a poem or something that Rothstein wrote. And, you know, you, if you can sell it, um, you know, sell it for like a hundred grand or something. And, you know, uh, we split it, you know, 75, 25 and, you know, he makes the deal with the bookstore owner, then, you know, gets whatever, gets the money. Um, and so the bookstore owner is working with this kid, Peter. Now, Morris, He's already talked to the bookstore owner. I forget the guy's name now, but, um, and he said, you know, he's like, what is a kid, you know, what does he have? Uh, what is he trying to sell you? And he, and the bookstore owner is like, the kid doesn't have anything because he doesn't want to get Morris involved in it. He just wants to keep all the money. So it's a greedy little book boy. Um, <laughs> and he, uh, put it on a t shirt. <laughs> it's a, uh, uh, that should be okay. Rob, we can cut this if you don't want to reveal it, but okay. Rob and I have been talking about breaking the one rule of King Me, doing, <laughs> oh. <laughs> doing a book club about the novels. Yeah, over I think on, we should over yeah. on the Patreon. Yeah, yeah. I think we should call it Greedy Little Book Boys. <laughs> well, now we have to call it Greedy yes. Little Book Boys. <laughs> we have to honor Peter Sauber and call it. Yeah. Is that his name, Sauber? Yeah, Something like that. Sauber, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have to honor him and dub ourselves the GLBBs. <laughs> greedy, <laughs> the greedy little book boys <laughs> with their sticky fingers reading books. <laughs> Lick my finger to get the sticky off before I turn the page. Uh huh. Um, All right, that's us. That's us. That now, well, we can't change it now. That's. Things that we're happen locked. naturally like that, you can't you can't go yeah, back on it. <laughs> no, we're we're locked in. We're locked in now. Um, so uh, Morris, he doesn't believe the the bookstore owner. He's like, I I know, like this kid is bringing you something. I know something is going on here, and you're just fucking lying to me. And the bookstore owner, he starts getting like, um, you know, he starts threatening Morris. He's like, what are you like? What are you gonna do? Like. You have no, like, you have nothing here. You you have no uh, control over the situation. You can't do anything. Right. Right? He's like, maybe the kid does have something. And if he does, I'm going to fucking, like, you're not involved in it, man. Uh, because he's a green little book boy. And uh, <laughs> so later that night, he gets a visit from Alma. Crazy Alma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she shows up and she starts she starts in with like, you know, she wants to know about the books and Rothstein and the kid and all this stuff. Right. And uh, what it was like, I, I forget exactly the, you know, it was she gave Alma gave him 
an ultimatum, an alma, alma matum. I don't know. Alta, alma matum. Yeah, alma matum. Alma matum, right? Um, <laughs> Mine is Ramapo College of New Jersey. <laughs> That's your alma matum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and she's like, "You give me the books, or else." And he's like, "Or else what?" And then she like whips out this meat cleaver and just cuts off his fingers. Yeah, I got to be honest with you. <laughs> that one caught me by surprise. Oh, me too. And I, I knew that she was going to do something. Yeah, right? of course. Like, and we, she is, you don't show like, up. You don't show up dressed like Johnny Depp playing a show at the Viper Room unless you unless you mean business. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she truly is wearing sunglasses and like one of those right one of those big handkerchief scarf things. Yeah, totally. And a and a hat with a feather in it. Yeah, I mean, yes, <laughs> she looks like a. Yeah, I mean, she looks like Johnny Depp. She looks like a fancy scarecrow or something. Um, <laughs> She's a bit a, of a... Uh, this is the second King Me in a Row that Johnny Depp's come up on. Last yeah. time we were talking about Sauvage, his fragrance. Sauvage. <laughs> yeah, when he's when he's just ripping on guitar yeah. in the desert. And burying Man. his jewelry. That's right. His, yeah. his tur- her, like turquoise jewels, right? Yeah. <laughs> As he's burying them, you hear him go, it's okay, I have many more at home. <laughs> it's just mumbling. <laughs> That's his speaking voice. Um, so she cuts off his I, fingers. I can't stand that scamber hurt. I have to bury my jewels so that Scamber can't get them in the settlement. Jesus Christ. His words. I'm mine. I know. I know. Oh, God. I personally, Mm -hmm. I'm pro Scamber. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pro any celebrity who has been given a nickname that's where you replace the first letter or sound of their name with Ska. So it's her and, and Pete Davidson. Those are my guys. Skeet. Skeet Davidson. Skeet Davidson? <laughs> yes. That's from the... It's uh, funny that that's the last thing Kanye did before he became a Hitler a f- aficionado. Full-blown full uh, Nazi? A, a litter... Yeah, a true black skinhead. He, yeah. Pete yeah, Davidson... Yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the getting cucked by Pete Davidson to Nazi pipeline. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and I mean... It, it does seem like Pete Davidson, you know, Pete Davidson has been, uh, I guess, dating like basically every, you know, uh, popular woman uh, for the past, I don't know, five years or something. Like, yeah. it's crazy. But yeah. the fact that like, yeah, him, him dating, uh, you know, Kim Kardashian or whatever she, and driving, like cracking open like Kanye's brain, like all this stuff was probably in there, but then mm-hmm. like he, like it broke open and, and became extremely public, right? <laughs> like right. all of his, all of his, uh, you know, crazy shit. And then, yeah, I don't think anybody could have seen him just going like, like he had that song black skinhead and you know, whatever. That's yeah. Just, just a assumed song. it was like him yeah. being provocative. Or right. Whatever. Exactly. And now he's like, no, he's even like there's interviews with him on Alex Jones and Alex Jones is like, well, you don't actually like Hitler. Right. And he's like, no, I actually, I really do. I think he did some really great things. He invented this microphone that I'm talking into right now. He's like, he throws out like some wild shit. And Alex Jones is even Alex Jones is like, Oh yeah. Alex Jones is uh, like, I can't even, he's like, listen, buddy, I just got reamed in court. I, uh, I can't be doing this with you right now. (laughs) Yeah. You know, maybe when the cameras turn off, not not right now. Okay. He's like, well, he's like my grandfather liberated 
Auschwitz or some bullshit, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like my my grandfather fought in World War II. Kanye's just kind of like that's irrelevant to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, truly a psychopath. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, truly a bipolar guy. I it, think is. Yeah. I, sure. Um. I guess. I mean, if you, I guess if you if you have if you're bipolar and then you you don't. Uh, get any sort of help and you're also you've also become one of the richest most popular people yes. on no, earth yeah no one's told you no in in 20 years right and nobody's ever right you haven't heard the word no in 20 years <laughs> um yeah I, I guess that that's a things can that, escalate yeah that's that's a bit of a bad combo <laughs> Hey, speaking of things escalating, uh, things are getting out of hand for Morris and Alma over here. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. So um, she cuts off that bookstore owner's greedy little fingers and mm. and uh, ties him up. But good. Yeah. Ties him up. Um, you know, wants the information, trying to get information, wants the books. She thinks that he has the books. And he's like, I don't have the books. The kid has the books. Yeah. And, and she's basically like, I believe you, but my Tommy gun don't. <laughs> basically. <laughs> my ice pick. My ice pick don't. And she just buries the ice pick in his head a couple times. Ooh, and I mean, she buries it and then sort of like unzips the front of his head with it a little bit. Yeah. That yeah, is that brutal. It was pretty gnarly. Yeah. And then uh, when the police, you know, when the police come <laughs> to the crime scene, they discover that he's also been pantsed and had one of his severed fingers placed between his butt cheeks. Ah, <laughs> oh, that should have been the intro is like, I mean, I don't know exactly what that means yet. <laughs> but but, <laughs> but something. <laughs> yeah. Something yeah. there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, well, well, I don't know. One of us has to go to the ER. Right. <laughs> I have to go to the AR. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I was a greedy little book boy. I'm sorry. Oh, so I'm sorry. <laughs> what happened to your fingers? They're all up my butt. Um fingers going into the butt. Right. It's fully. Uh, uh I did I did kind of like the uh like the crime scene or whatever, when Hodges gets there and he sees like the finger up the, up the butt and he's just like, ah, oh, Jesus Christ. And he's like, and they, they, they crack like the cop jokes, you know, yeah. it's like, uh, there's something going on here, but I can't put my finger on it. Yeah. I love the really strained one that Montez does. As what was it? Leaving. I can't remember. He's it. like, he's like, you know, when I was in school, I never wanted to do my work. Uh, my, my dad would get oh. mad. He'd tell me to get my finger out of my ass and hit the books. This guy has been hitting the books his whole life and he ends up with a finger in his ass. <laughs> and it takes so long. It takes like longer it's, than that. Yeah, it's very sweaty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just so many words. Um, hey, speaking of uh, the way this show's written, uh-huh. do you notice uh, you check the writing credits? Like, no. Compared to the past season. So no one from the from season two returns except for Mm -hmm. showrunner david e kelly and one jonathan shapiro who is a i think he might work with david e kelly a bit but he he's worked on the blacklist boston legal the practice these are some shows (laughs) 
I don't yeah, find I mean, any of that particularly impressive, but I do find this season just a little bit more coherent, if unevenly paced. Yes. Well, that that's that's a good thing then. I I guess yeah. The season two writers room, they were you know, like, the final product came out and they were like, fire everybody. This is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So so the the bookstore owner has been killed. Um. Uh. We also get like a scene where uh, they're, they're starting to intimidate Peter. Um. Alma. Uh. Like tries chases him down with her truck. Um, what's his name? Uh, Morris finds him and like it, while he's driving or whatever, and like almost runs him off the road. And they start like an argument or whatever. And then Peter shoots him in the leg. Um, which <laughs> I loved that. That was very. I it fucking was funny. love that. Yeah, Mar- Morris is just like Morris. Also, like comes and finds him at a diner, right? Yes. Is that in these episodes, Peter's yeah. just like hanging out at a diner. Morris has been like tailing him kind of nonstop, and he sits down and starts giving him the business. He's like, "You better give me those books, buddy." Yeah. Um. He keeps just, saying that he's the messenger. Yeah. And he's like, "Listen, man, just don't shoot the messenger here. I'm I'm just here to tell you that if you don't give us the books." then, uh, you know, something bad is going to happen. Yeah. I'm not going to do it, but something bad is going to happen. Yeah, he keeps referring to, like, he's like, this is bigger yeah. than than me, you know, uh, talk, basically making it seem like the Yakuza wants. <laughs> yeah, they want those books, man. <laughs> they want those books. Um, yeah, and then, so. And then he shoots more, you know, he, the kid shoots Morris, and then he's like, you shot me. You shot the messenger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. It's the one thing I told him not to do. Yeah. He did. <laughs> um, yeah. So Alma and Morris, they cook up a scheme to kidnap Peter's mom and use her as a, you know, ransom or whatever to get the books. Because at this point, they really do not care about any of the money. They just want the books. And as it goes on, it really just seems like they they want to read the books more than anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that they don't, you know, they're talking about like you know selling them, fencing them, or whatever, and and getting a bunch of money. But that seems overshadowed by their their desire to just read more of Rothstein's books. Yes, yes. So, so yeah, you know what's interesting to me? What? Something I find interesting? <laughs> yeah. They basically tell the story out of order of the novels because this these seasons correlate each to yeah a Bill Hodges detective story right so right season one is book one and then season three is book two right right yeah yeah, yeah. which makes so much more sense and they kind of like I mean the way they resolve it I guess is pretty. I, I don't know. I'm fine with it. You know, the way they sure. like write themselves out of that corner or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But it does make so much more sense that like um, medically induced psychic coma boy. That's like book, book three. three. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's how we escalate from, you know, like <laughs> petty, petty theft turned uh, right. or grand theft, I guess, turned murder. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, no, totally. I, and I did, I did kind of think about that. I'm like, I'm glad that we're down back to like, you know, uh, non, like no supernatural elements here. Just, just, you know, 
whatever, a, a crime story that's, I mean, and, and again, as this goes on, it feels more, so much like a Coen Brothers thing where like, just they keep getting, digging themselves deeper into shit. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah. And even like, even if Bill is our, like our Margie or not Margie, right? No, that's Margie's Francis, the mom. Francis McDormand is who I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, Oh no, no, I'm sorry. Yes. You're um, okay. I got confused there. Yes. If Hod- Hodges is like our Margie. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it even sort of like his arc ends the same way where he just kind of like ends up back in, you know, like he's fine by the end of he's, it. Right. He's fine. He goes back to like, he has, you know, his daughter or whatever comes to live with him. And then that's nice. So. Yeah. He, he finally, like after a series of sort of like aborted second chances, yeah, seems to have kind of like locked in on something, right? Because like he's going to be a grandpa, right? He everyone's processed their trauma. They've let go <laughs> of these oppressive symbols in their life. Yep. And those yeah. who did not have ended up dead, right? <laughs> uh, and yeah, yeah. So they, um, so Morris kidnaps uh, Peter's mom, uh, Marjorie. And she, she puts up a bit of a fight. She kind of, she bashes him in the head. She kind of fucks him up a little bit. Mars does get like, just pounded on this whole season. He's, he's fucking Wile E. Coyote. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, that's also a Coen Brothers thing. I'm realizing that's, uh, right. H I H I McDonough. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, like, right. The, there's the car crash in the beginning. Um, then you know the him kidnapping this uh, this woman and getting beat up by her, being shot by the kid. Like he gets right. fucking worked over. Yeah, it's funny too because like him getting shot is the last beat of right. He like cha- they're Peter's driving and then he like drives and like cuts him off. Yeah. He like he does like a Tokyo drift to like block the street. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After they've been like kind of like keeping pace on opposite sides of a double yellow. Right. And like. He gets out of his car and he's like pumped. Yeah. He's, he's like, like, holy shit, man. He's like, that was that? fucking crazy. I can't believe it. Our cars didn't even touch. That was just like in a movie. And then he just gets like popped in the knee. And then Alma has to like fish the bullet out with an old screwdriver. Yeah. Oh my God. That, that, that is, thing. but like, brutal. okay. He also um, gets his fucking nose shot off. Yeah. He does get, end up getting his nose shot off. Yeah. It's good. So, talk about the the whole like Mars Alma thing real quick. They I don't they don't really dwell on it, right? But there are like several times where um you know, Alma is sort of this like maternal figure for Morris. Yeah. Right? We're like even when he gets shot in the leg, right? And she's like, you know, she digs the bullet out whatever. Um and then she the next day, she like she's changing the bandage or whatever. And she like, I don't know if like it looks infected, whatever the fuck, yeah. but she like, she like puts her mouth on the wound and like sucks out whatever and spits it out. Yeah. Um, which is like, you know, just a really gross kind of way of like kissing a boo-boo. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, yeah. It, just like, I don't know. There were, there were like little things like that throughout the, the season where it just seemed like, 
you know, uh, these two people are, you know, fucking, but she, she has this, you know, of course she has this power over Morris. You know, right? Yeah. Um, and, and totally. Like I mean, like this weird, like lover also mother thing. Right. Like after she kills his girlfriend, she's the one being like, it's just sort of like talking him through that in right. the way that like, yeah, like a mother might exactly. after their kid gets dumped or whatever. Right. You know, left at the prom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, all right. Uh, they kidnap the mom. Right. And they, uh, you know, they FaceTime Peter and they're like, you know, we have your mom. We want the books, whatever. And at this point, like Peter is in hiding. He's not in the house anymore. He's uh, he's staying at an old jazz club that isn't open anymore. Yes. Um, <laughs> and that's where he has the books. That's where everything is. Uh, his dad is totally like it has to be a total disaster now because his wife is missing. And right. They've also contacted him being like, don't call the cops. So he right. knows she's been kidnapped. He hasn't seen Peter in like two days at this point because Peter's having like a bit of a breakdown and has just kind of gone into hiding as he's trying to figure out how to get out of the situation. And But then like, like Peter calls his dad and, you know, they talk about it and they're like, yeah, you know, they have your mother. I know. Bah, bah, bah. They want the books. Um and he's like, Peter, just please come home so we can like, you know, figure this out. And he's like, I got, I got it under control. And then he hangs up on his dad. So like the dad has to be like, what the, <laughs> like fucking losing yeah. his shit, like losing his yeah. mind. Um, eventually Hodges like through, through some pretty nifty detective work, they, um, they sort of find out that, um, you know, Peter, they think Peter has the books. So, you know, Hodges goes by the house and he has to go by twice before the, the, the father actually like tells Hodges what's going on. Like, okay, they have my wife, you know, Peter's been missing, you know, Peter's missing and, um, you know, he has the books and he wants to set up some sort of trade, whatever. And yeah. Uh, and that ends with, um, Peter's dad giving Hodges his phone. Also. Right. And then, but also like uh, uh, Hodges like finds out that Morris is probably the one who shot Rothstein like through yeah Jerome like what is it Jerome Jerome goes to the other guy that the other burglar that got shot during the robbery goes yeah. to his father's house looks through grabs like um, well it, the guy used to collect newspaper articles about the Mercedes. Uh, you know, the job fair incident. Um, and, and also he, and he grabs the, uh, yearbook also. And Morris and this guy are in pictures together in the the newspapers. (laughs) There's also Jerome is like watching news stories (laughs) about, um, I guess Rothstein getting murdered. Right. And in the background, you see the most suspicious looking man you've ever seen. It's, it's Morris just almost staring into the camera, like bloody and battered. (laughs) It's very funny. Yeah. They're like, all right, pause right here. (laughs) And then, yeah. Right. And then through, uh, through Ida, who used to be, uh, Morris's teacher, you know, Ida says like, um, Oh, I know him, whatever. Uh, he was, there was, you know, this thing going around that he had some sort of a sexual relationship with this Alma Lane 
And then Hodges knows Alma from like some incident a long time ago, whatever. So He's he like, goes to yeah. check it out. Um, him and Jerome go to the house, go to Alma's house. And <laughs> Alma is being, you know, she's just being Alma, you know. She's like, oh, Bill, are you here to take me up on that offer from 30 years ago or whatever? <laughs> are you here to fuck me? Um, and he's like, I, I'm really not here to fuck you. <laughs> this, this is uh, you know, much more serious than that. And, uh, and then he, he leaves and he wants to like he wants to come back later on. You know, he's like, I, something is not right here. I know something is going on. Um, he goes, he like, he walks out the front door and he, he's about to like walk into the backyard and then Alma comes out and, he, and she's like, what, ha- what happened? You get turned around and he's like, Oh no, just, uh, just leaving, whatever. Um, so then, uh, you know, Alma and Morris that, you know, they're trying to, uh, they're trying to set this thing up with the kid and the books and all this shit. And while this is happening, um, I think Alma is in the house at this point and Morris opens up the freezer that Danielle, Danielle's body used to be in. And he's, he's looking around and she, he sees her necklace at the bottom and blood. And she's like, mother, he's like, motherfucker. She, you know, and he knows that Alma killed his girlfriend. Right. And, and then at that moment, uh, Alma walks in and she's like, she grabs a crowbar and hits Morris in the head like three times with it. <laughs> um, again, Morris is just getting fucking worked over and Morris is out. And then Alma starts like talking to the mom who's, who's tied up and, you know, got tape over her mouth. And she's like, you know, I didn't want to do it. And you know, whatever. And the little bitch talking about the girlfriend, whatever. And then while this is going on, Morris like sort of wakes up. He grabs the crowbar and then like shoves it through her body, like stabs her from the back. It goes through the front and he kills Alma. And and then I that scene, like I, I'm pretty sure that that's the end of the episode where it's just like this, you know, awful murder scene. There's blood everywhere. And like, you know, they were supposed to they, they're you know, they're trying to meet up with this kid to get the fucking books. And now all of this shit is happening. And yeah, you know, everything is going sideways for, for Morris here. Um, yeah, he's talking about in the, in like the next episode or whatever, when we're back in the, um, what's called shed, he's basically, (laughs) he just keeps talking about how close he is to snapping. Yeah. It's just a very funny place to be at, at this point. Yeah. I mean, He's like, he does keep talking about how close he is to snapping and how yeah. he is just a man on the edge. Yes. Um, but again, I mean, it's like this is a guy who has sort of like not lived his own life, right? He's just sort of like right. filled himself in with, you know, the people and the the media around him. Right. Um, and all these things are falling away now, right? Like he loses his girlfriend Yep. And he loses his mom girlfriend. <laughs> you know, he he it, the season starts with him losing like his best friend, I guess. Um it's sort of like all laid out in his you know, when we do see the yearbook, it's like laid out in his yearbook dedications or whatever. It's dedicated to what John, Jimmy, 
Uh, um, some somebody and Squee. Squee was in there. Yes. Squee. <laughs> <laughs> and they like kind of explain it, but it's like Squee. I guess is his friend who died of like an overdose before the events of the show. Right. Right. That so one one person's already gone. But second it, person's already gone. Is is Squee a reference to fucking Brett Kavanaugh? Is was, it? Wasn't that one of his his friends? And that wait, like, was it really? I I could have sworn it was one of his friends. That the first like that yeah, was my first thought. When I start typing, Google autofills. Yeah, and that was in 2018. So yeah, so probably 100 percent. Right? David E. <laughs> Kelly is like, it's like I'm a bit of a bit of a Kavanaugh head. Yeah. I, my, these are my friends and somebody must've seen that. And they were like, that's the dumbest name ever. Yeah. I gotta throw that in. Yeah. There. We got to pick that for the most pathetic man. Right. Yeah. Um, and there's also a thing that it says like, uh, thank you to IS for saving my life. And that's Ida silver, silver or silverman. I can't remember. I think silver. Sorry. And keep she- yawning by the way. I don't know what my problem is. My fucking problem. Well, I mean, it's it is three in the morning when we're recording this. <laughs> it is getting to be past my bedtime. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> um, no, and that, so uh, right. So we're basically it's the last episode where everything is you know converging. It's all coming to a head here. Um, the so Morris <laughs> contacts Peter again, and he's like look at me like he puts the gun to his own head and he's just like look at me i am i'm covered in blood look at me i am ready to kill your mom <laughs> you have to believe me on this yeah. <laughs> and um you know the kid he's like all right meet me here at this jazz club and we'll exchange i'll give you the books you give me my mom right <coughs> excuse me uh and so uh we have that. We also since Peter's dad gave Hodges his phone, um Morris calls calls that phone and Hodges answers <laughs> and there's that whole interaction between them. He's like, "Listen, it doesn't have to go down this way. Like you were molested when you were a kid." There, he like rattles off all these things. You were part of the the job fair uh, you know, incident whatever. Right. And Morris is just like Nope, not listening. I'm doing this, whatever. Yeah. And but they they were able to like somehow triangulate. Um, yeah, Jerome. Does through com- like you know when Jer- you know when Jerome does computer stuff. That Jerome's job is just computer stuff, and yeah. it's just like magic computer hacker stuff. Yeah. Um. But he he basically like they figure out that uh, they triangulate uh, Morris's phone, and they could see he's moving. Um. They also find out that Peter's been working for his dad who's in real estate, blah, 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 whatever. And, um, that he's probably staying at this, this jazz club or whatever. So Hodges is on his way there. It's every parent's worst fear. Oh my God. Is that their, their child has discovered a jazz club and they, uh, they become addicted to the, the twos and the fours. <laughs> yeah. You, Jesus Christ. It, nobody wants their, their kid to grow up to be a daddy-o. <laughs> a, a real cool cat, you know? Yeah. Roll that roll neck down. I can barely see your chin. <laughs> uh, 
So okay, so Hodges is on his way to the the jazz club. He has he calls Montez, tells him what's going on, tells him to meet him there, whatever. Um, the so Morris gets there with the mom, gun to her head, and at this point Peter has like set up the books and like put a little cover over them, and he has a gun. They both have guns out, but you know it's a big like kind of standoff thing. Um. You know, there's a bit of a, a struggle. Um, Peter, for a second, Peter gets the upper hand and he just starts wailing on Morris. Um, then Morris gets the upper hand and he starts like choking uh, Peter. Yeah. And and at this point, like the gun has been like thrown away, and the mom gets a hold of the gun and shoots Morris's nose off. It's so good. It's like it's so good. <laughs> like because when you see it in. As it's happening, it looks like he just gets like shot in the head. Right. It, and right. she shoots and he like he falls over or whatever, but then he starts moving. Right. And there's like there's just like too much dignity in Morris <laughs> getting to die at that point. He first has to <laughs> Right. Just like he he's basically just like chipped away at piece by piece as this season goes. Yeah, I mean like right. Every episode, like another piece of him is like taken away, it right. seems like. Like yeah. yes. physically uh, or emotionally, whatever. Yeah. Um <laughs> And then um, he gets back up or whatever. He resumes having a gun. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so he, right. Yes. Go on. I, I don't even remember how that happens. But Peter pull, Peter plays his trump card, which is that he he pulls like a tarp off of like it looks like a coffin case or something for like yeah. musical equipment. And he has, <laughs> in a show of theatricality, arranged all of the manuscript notebooks in like a pyramid, the way you would like bars of gold. Yes. <laughs> and he starts dousing them in gasoline. Yes. And he pulls out a lighter. Yep. And he's, and <laughs> at this point, Morris is like, I am fed up with this. And right then, Hodges walks in, shoots Morris, um, and... I, I don't know if I mean Peter doesn't get shot. So I don't know if he just gets scared or something. He drops a lighter and the books go up in flames. Yeah. And and Morris, who has been shot several times at this point, um, he gets up and he runs over and he starts like um, he's he's trying to save the books and the books are on fire. Then he catches on fire. Then he opens one of the books and like tries to read it while he and the books are all burning. Yeah. And, and we get that most fuck. wonderful visual trope. Which guy one? staggering, guy staggering oh. to his death while he's on fire. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great one, except it's clearly digital fire. So yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's 2019. We don't do real fires anymore, right? We can't afford on, on an audience network budget. We can't afford to actually light a man on fire. Yeah, We barely got the tortoise. We can't light a man on fire. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So he, he dies reading the books. Basically, yeah, it's pretty wild. We get a close-up shot of his eyes sort of boiling in his head, and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and and Hodges just kind of like watches on in horror a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a, there's also like a, a quick uh, shot of Bruce Dern as Rothstein just watching it all go down, and then him like his ghost walking away. Just like, I thought that was that a sucked. Bit silly and unnecessary. That was the <laughs> dumbest thing I've ever seen. I don't know why that happened. I mean, I do, 
right? Like symbolically, but didn't need but to go it, down. It, it like sucks. That. That, it sucks. Um, and that's, I mean, that's basically it. Uh, you know, uh, we said Allie Hodge's daughter moves back in with them. She, mm-hmm. she's been having dreams that he would, that, uh, Hodges was on fire, um, burning up in like hell. Um, mm-hmm. and she, she was like, she got scared and she wanted to move back to just kind of just make sure that he wasn't and that it wasn't her fault and everything. Right. Um, and, 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 and also because she's got a bit of a baby happening yeah. in her. Right. She's got a baby happening in her. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, I mean, it's kind of nice. Like, Hodges has his daughter back. He's going to be a grandpa. Um, we see that uh, Holly um, has started dating Finkelstein. Um, and right, yeah, because that, that keeps happening. Yeah, I mean, like... That one, that was a real, like, the, the wheels on that storyline were kind of spinning in the mud a bit yeah i mean i i honestly i did not care about that storyline at all no how could how could you possibly how could you possibly (laughs) right um it's also like it's kind of brilliant casting because like there's no chemistry between them at any point (laughs) (laughs) like if that's the if that's what we're to take away is that there's like a wall right an emotional wall that holly's putting up you really feel it because Brett Gilman does nothing to yeah he does nothing seem to, charming yeah. or <laughs> totally um yeah and that's it uh everybody everybody's in a better place than they were um you know at the beginning of all of this sure um and obviously argue- except for Alma and Morris I mean I was going to say arguably <laughs> even them <laughs> Probably them too, uh, as far as you know, society standpoint. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. What? That's uh, and that's it. That's that is all of Mister Mercedes. The the shocking conclusion. Shocking of the Mister. I was shocked. <laughs> I feel shocked. <laughs> ah. I'm shocked. Um, well, Rob, yep. did we we haven't done a we haven't discussed the overall score of the series, have we? No, that's gonna be fun. We'll do that soon. I suppose. Why? What? Are, like what are you I mean, about? like when we get when we get to oh, oh, oh. I am IMDb. Oh, I, I, I thought you meant like the musical score. <laughs> no. No, I'm like what? Are, what actually? The fuck this are you talking about the score was um, really trying something, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, usually the score just kind of washes over me. Um, it was a lot of just like, um, just like guitar noise, right? Yes. It was just like random of, notes kind of plinking. Yes, a lot of that. Yeah. Um, all they right, we're trying stuff. Okay. Do you want to? Uh, do some segments. Let's get let's get segmented. Oh, that hurts my parts. Rob, Dan, lots of people's parts being physically hurt in <laughs> this That's season right. of Mr. Mercedes. What 
would you say most hurt your parts? Great question. Um, I mean, the the pacing in the first half of the season is a bit slow for me. Yeah. Not a huge – I mean, like, I don't know. You know, okay. You know what I really didn't like? What hurt my parts the most out of this whole thing was uh, all of the Brady stuff. All of the stuff where we saw, like, part of, like, a man dressed in an ice cream outfit and mm-hmm. – you what'd know, you think of what'd you think though when the whole jury was dressed as ice cream man? No, well I didn't care for that either. <laughs> you didn't? No, I did not like that. Okay. Is that your shining moment right there? Yeah, you bet. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would say that's the Brady stuff. Um I, I really I don't think it added anything to it besides like questions about whether or not, you know, uh uh Lou was insane. You know, yes, it doesn't, and that kind of goes anything. nowhere ultimately. Right, exactly. So, so I, I ultimately I felt like it was unnecessary. Yeah. Um. Fair enough. For me, what hurt your parts, Dan? All the t- literally just like uh, this is such a hard thing to pull off in general. Uh-huh. Where you have like a fictional genius, artistic <laughs> genius, and you have to like sell to the audience, yeah, their, their worth, but. The way that everybody talks about fucking Rothstein, I found so grating. Yes. <laughs> and and so overblown, like, you know, like the one point at which, like, you know, we're just sort of like recapping everyone's insane behavior around these manuscripts. And Jerome is just like, that's Rothstein, though. That's the effect he yeah. has. He gets... He, you know, he gets he, inside he gets you. your brain, man. Yeah. Like, and again, this is... They're paralleling him and Brady, but that just right. seems stupid. Yeah, I agree. Right? <laughs> so, yeah. all that stuff. And then, like, honestly, especially, look, series, we're done with the series. I can say it. Mm-hmm. Ida, the actor who plays Ida, uh-huh. she's not a very good actor. How dare you, Dan? You're a big Ida, you're a big Holland Taylor head? Yeah, I love Holland Taylor. Yeah. I wish she was my neighbor. You guys, uh, you call yourself Dutchies, right? The fan club? Dutchies? Because your name is Holland. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dutchies. Um, Yeah, yeah, I feel like The Dutches and Duchesses. Right. I feel like I've seen her in other stuff. I mean, she's probably been... Oh, you're probably thinking of Claudette from The Room because she delivers every line the same way that Claudette from The Room does. (laughs) She plays Professor Stromwell in Legally Blonde. Maybe you know her from that. No, I've never seen Legally Blonde. Two and Uh, a Half Men? No, I'm thinking probably Romancing the Stone from 1985. Okay. Okay. Some shit like that. Well, maybe 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 she was better. Half with Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Maybe she was better back then, but uh, she has since lost her fastball <laughs> fair mm-hmm. um all right but it wasn't all bad no I, I suppose it wasn't let's get some shining moments okay Daddy! this is shining moments I've been, I've been waiting what uh just kidding what was what was your shining moment dan theme song bob dylan theme song yeah <laughs> just the theme i think song. so I really like that. It's a, I hadn't heard it before. It's a great song. No, it is a good song. I like it yeah. a lot. Um, I mean, I think 
I really I do like all the Morris Alma stuff. I think that's very, yeah. Uh, like just the whole thing where they're like, just the deep. They just keep digging themselves deeper and deeper into shit. Um, and then I think, I honestly I think my one of my favorite parts is when Morris gets his fucking nose blown off. Yeah, it's <laughs> it really is such a great like uh, cherry on top of all this this agony he's endured. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know what? I agree. I think just like, yeah, I agree. That's probably my shining moment too is several moments. All those moments. That whole arc is yeah very fun where everything is else is fun. like kind of dour and overly serious. You get mm-hmm. these two clods just making every mistake they possibly can. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. So yeah. those are our shiny moments. I suppose it's time for the song. Let's do some King Tropes. King Tropes. King Tropes. If you said it before, you just say so. We'll add it to our running list of King Tropes. Why are all the children always evil? Why so many one letters for people? King wanted to. Why are all the children always evil? King wanted to. Why so many one letters for people? King wanted to. Why's there always going to be a greaser? King wanted to. You just need to trust this guy. Go to Bloodline device. I drive a great distance just to die. Just to die. <laughs> this is one of those episodes where I really kind of like take a step back and look at that and just really yeah. think about it. <laughs> Dan, there's I, no. I know. What? God, uh, there's just no reason for it to be that song. <laughs> I I know, but I I gotta tell you, I really do like it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I gotta I gotta learn to live with it. We're going on yeah, like probably three years of that, three or four years yeah. of that song now. So, <laughs> all right, King Tropes, King Tropes. Uh, we King. got. Yep, we got our writer, our famous writer. Yeah, there's always a writer involved. Um, you know, a whole group of people that are just like totally fucking head over heels for one specific writer to the point mm. of insanity. Sure. Um, sure. Um, I'm going to say um, f- sort of a found family of survivors, mm-hmm, right? That's definitely. not new to this season, but we get like an addition in Lou. Yeah, for sure. For sure. sure. Definitely. Um what else? Yeah, you know, we there's a uh, fucking your mother or mother figure. Yeah, I was. Uh, yes, I was. That's where I was going. With it. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, right. No, but you're right. Yes, like hey. some sort, some motherfucker. <laughs> Here's one for you. Uh huh. Um, dying in a fire. Yes, a lot of, of people course. die in fires. Of course, of course. That's a king trope. Dying, yeah. dying from fire. Dying, right? Yeah. Um, Gary, fire starter, king specific trope. King, yeah, it only happens in King mm-hmm. uh, Oh, here's one. Uh, yeah, here's one. Okay. Um, ominous finger where you least expect it. <laughs> are you? What are you thinking of? The moving finger. I'm, I'm comparing the moving finger to the not moving finger sticking out of <laughs> the bookman Andy's butt crack. The what'd you call him? Greedy little book boy. Yeah, he's a greedy little book boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> there is a uh, later on. It it does seem like um, when when they kidnap Peter's mom, Alma has kept one of the bookkeeper uh, book store owner's fingers. Yeah, and yeah. shoves it up. Of sorts. Shoves it up her nose. Yeah, that pukes. and she instantly pukes. And I'm like, yeah, girl, that is the time to puke when you've had a dead man's finger shoved up shoved up your nose. Um. Let's see what else we got. What else we got? Of course, hallucinating a dead person. Of course. We see it all the time. Yeah. Um, Having a dark half. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a dark half of sorts. Uh, What else? Some Fargo tropes in here, but uh, this isn't Fargo tropes. It's uh, King tropes. What would that song be? Oh my god! I don't even. What what Fargo parody of us? tropes? <laughs> it's a Steve. We have Stephen King embargoed tropes. It's sort of like <laughs> syntactically, it's a bit of a stretch, but it's the only rhyme I could think of. It's pretty. It's pretty good on the fly like that. Um, Thanks. Uh, yeah, I th- I don't know. I think that's kind of it for me. Besides, yeah, yeah, just like retreading like other shit from Mr. Mercedes past seasons or whatever. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So that was King Tropes. King Tropes. Which Um, brings us to, of course, our not penultimate segment. Not anymore. Not anymore. But uh, it's probably the most important segment we do for like, I would say for like real diehard fans yes. this is where we sort of really the real dig in. here yeah. yeah we dig into the nitty the gritty the slimy <laughs> this is where we're slime <laughs> welcome to where uh, where was slimer where or whatever where, it's called i mean dan do you know where where slimer was yeah i do actually where was he? it was well, you may recall, you mentioned it actually earlier, although we didn't acknowledge his presence. Um, uh-huh. When Alma is inspecting Morris's knee, she's like, there's something kind of slimy in there. And what mm-hmm. she sucks out is that wacky onion head himself, that yep. sometimes hot, hot dog cart stand runner, sometimes bus driver. <laughs> It's Slimer. She sucks Slimer out of his knee and spits him down the drain. Yeah. Did you see him anywhere else? um, I think I saw him up that bookkeeper. Uh, I'm going to call him a bookkeeper now. Up his, (laughs) up his little, little butt. Up his little slime hole. I mean, you could easily mistake that finger for the end of a hot dog. Could you not? It's no wonder he ended up there. And this has been where was Slimer. And that All brings right. us that brings us to our by the way, great installment of Where Was Slimer. Oh great. It was great. I don't think we give our, ourselves enough credit. We do that <laughs> every episode and we usually just kind of like for us it's just par for the course, right? That's right. But for listeners, longtime fans of Stephen King. Oh, sorry, I thought it's burp. <laughs> I uh <laughs> You're a bit of a slimer right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm being a bit slimy. Uh, they, yeah, we we really took this conversation to the next level, and I oh, suppose man. you're welcome. Okay, yeah. but that does bring us to our actual penultimate segment. I am DB. They just cheated us. This 
IMDb, right. where we compare our opinion of the movie against the average weight, weighted average user score. I always get that flip-flopped in my head on IMDb.com. Yeah. Rob, I'll tell you what. Yeah. I, you may recall with season two, I was beating myself up. I was kicking, or maybe it was Nose 4 or Atu, but I forgot uh-huh. to take the individual episode scores yeah. and the number of people involved in awarding them and uh-huh. calculate the full weighted average. Right. Well, I did that while you were talking. <laughs> I know you did. I saw you typing away over there. Yeah, like I little, was a little bookkeeper. I was crunching numbers. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So what do you got? Anyway, well, 4,005 souls altogether gave their opinion of uh, season three of Miss, Mr. Mercedes. Oh, uh, for the last time. Hi, Mr. Mercedes. <laughs> yep. Get it out of your system. Get <laughs> it out of your system. Because we won't be able to do this again until our much maligned Banshees of Inishirin episode. <laughs> 4,005 souls awarded season three of Mr. Mercedes a weighted average user score of 7.6528089. I in round down. Uh, I see that. Uh, wait, yeah. So, what did you say? 7.6, et cetera? Five, 7.6528089. Okay. Yeah. Rob, um, what do you yep. think? Yeah, I mean, I would say that's probably probably pretty spot on. Yeah, um, yeah, maybe maybe an eight overall. Wow, wow. Oh, overall, I, like the whole series. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I guess the whole. Wait, are we talking about season three or the whole? Series? I'm talking about season three, but you said eight okay. overall. So uh, I, I would say. Sure. Well, okay. Let's back up here. I think that this season is probably a 7.5, 7.6, whatever the mm-hmm. thing is. I think that's probably about right. 7.652808. Exactly. No, 7.6528089. Uh, I think that there, you know, it does drag in spots. There, you know, it could be shorter, but I do like the overall uh, mystery. And like I said, the, the last five episodes or whatever really pay off what happens in the first five. So, yeah. uh, I, I don't know. I liked it. Cool. Yeah. What do you I don't think? know for, I think for me, it's a little too high. I don't think I'd go higher than like 7.652808000. Like that last nine, eight, nine. I'm like, really? Even, even, I don't know. Even with, even all, with all the Brett Gilman. Stuff? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> So for me, you know what? Oh, what the hell? I'll give it a 7.652809000. I'm actually going a little bit up. All right. And this is, I mean, this is canon now. So uh, when when Kane updates his spreadsheet, <laughs> he has to account for that. Yes. Um, um, so we, I guess we could talk about the series overall. Also, you want to do that? Um, Make quick work of it, or are you tired? No, I mean, like, just real quick, I would give the series overall probably uh, maybe a 6.5 or a 7. Somewhere in between there, maybe. Yeah, that feels fair. I mean, Uh, season two drags that number down a lot. 
Yeah. Season one is real. I think is really good. Mm. Um, season two drags it down quite a bit. And then this season I think is mostly good. Like yeah. I just said, so you want, it's it, like, I'm going to go an even seven. Okay. That's not far off from the weighted average user score on IMDb.com. Okay. 7.8. And what, what do you think, Dan, for the overall series? Yeah, I, I was kind of with you on 6.5. I don't think I can go higher than 6.5, even though like simply can't, I I simply can't. (laughs) It's just like, even with season one, which I liked the most, yeah. There were things about it that annoyed me, namely everything about Brady. Like yes. I thought Brady was so annoying and written in that way that like it, it it's sort of reminiscent of like a um a fucking what's the like Kane Rose up type of psycho where it's like, Oh, I'm loco. Yeah. Don't you know I'm loco? <laughs> Like the the yeah, gleeful yeah. psycho, like the Joker archetype or whatever. I just it's so played out and like, yeah. I, I overall, mm-hmm. I like the show, but I don't think I can go higher than like a six point five. It's best I can do. Sorry. All right. Sorry. All right. Well, that's it. And that's so it. That-, that brings us to our final segment. Shows over. Shows over. Shows over. What's that from? Shows over. Uh, graveyard shift. Yeah, good. Yeah, that uh, that one looms large. It does. <laughs> I like that one. It's yeah. it's very weird, and I I'm I'm a fan. Yeah. Um. Uh, all right, guys. We're out of here. We're out of here. We're um, getting in our now yellow Mercedes. Used to be white. Right. Now it's yellow. We're getting in there. Yeah, drive and we're driving away. Yep. Um, guys, please rate review on iTunes. Leave us five stars and a, and a nice comment. You could do it as Stephen King. That's a lot of fun, but we will read it on the show. Um, yeah. Check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash kingmepod, where we're doing – we do weekly bonus shows. Uh, we're going to be doing all kinds of fun stuff coming up, so yeah, you know, if stay tuned you for know. that. Probably heard us reference a couple of short stories in this episode. Eagle-eared listeners will have caught that. You can hear us talk at length about Kane Rose Up, etc. Yeah, on on the Patreon. And if being in in uh, being a greedy little book boy sounds good to you, maybe check out the Patreon when we start that book club. Ooh, get in on the ground floor of greedy little book boy. (laughs) Um. And if you want to email us, you could do so at kingmepod at gmail.com. And that's it, guys. Bye-bye. Until next time. I am... I, whoa. Dude. I am, I am Rob. And I am Dan Gagliardi. Avon! Whoa! Paradigm shift. Stephen King. Stephen King. <laughs>